0: Yo, Chuck,
1: run a power move on them. Yeah! 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 yeah. Step back, you the way, give the brothers a room. You got the hall, turn me
0: May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life, so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. Peace, 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 peace. This is uh, the Brooklyn Combine. We are the Brooklyn Combine. Um, my name is Barnabas. Uh, back from, you know, I guess, a long hiatus. Um, who else uh, do we have on uh, the joint today?
2: what's good y'all this is rodney member of the brooklyn combine this is my first podcast that i've actually been recorded
3: on you've been on, you've been on it before you, you i think you've been <laughs> i've been
2: on not the before. one with the um the photographer and those two uh correctional officers oh
3: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a minute ago insane. that was a while ago mm-hmm. and uh phil phil's in the building i think we got Kenny and Mally, some, at some point, hopping in, maybe even big teams. Yeah, at some point, like, they
0: hopping in. Yeah. But we do have a, a, a super dope guest, yeah. long time friend of the Combine.
3: An esteemed statesman of uh, Brooklyn. Of oh, Canarsie, more specifically,
0: yeah. the Floss, as he schooled me to yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. who do we have on the joint this
4: week? Peace, y'all. This is Floyd from Canarsie. Uh, founder of uh, Canarsie Neighborhood Community Garden. That's where we're at right now. We're one of the greenhouses here. Cannabis advocate. I I was an intricate part of uh, getting New York State to pass adult use cannabis.
0: So, uh, Floyd, you know, I I took a couple of rides with you a a few years back, you know, to talk about Canarsie. We were on bikes, we were in the car, uh, whipping and dipping um, in Canarsie. Talk to us. Share with us. Give us an, a nice little aerial and a ground view of uh, the place you call the Floss.
4: Ah, wow. I like how you put that. That was about this twenty-one. That was a long. That was like three, at least three years ago, right?
0: Yeah, twenty eighteen.
4: Twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's when I had I had just finished up that at BC, and I mm-hmm. had I had a I had a paper called ooh, Let's see if I can remember it. Oh, yeah, of course. Neighbor, neighbor, a history of white flight and black migration in Canarsie and um, and that I, I talked about how uh, Canarsie was one of the last spaces for ethnic whites in this part of southern Brooklyn. Now they're more to what, what would you call that? That's still southern Brooklyn, but it's like southeast Brooklyn. Um, And how. Us getting here, like it wasn't. It wasn't easy. Like if you if you look up the histories, it was a lot of there were a lot of riots in schools. Yeah, two eleven in Biloxi. Um, there were a lot of house bombings when blacks started buying homes here. So I I I spoke about a lot of that history, and to see now what we've made of it.
0: You you had uh told me like an interesting story about nine eleven. Um, talk to me about that.
4: So for me, nine eleven was the was like the like if, if white people were still here in 9 nine eleven got them out of here. You feel me? because it it the nine eleven, as we know, for for whites, for ethnic whites, it, it gave them this sense of racial patriotism. You feel me? So yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember on on Flatlands Ave, like they was they was throwing eggs. White white boys. It was throwing, like if you had a any type of Muslim garb, they were throwing eggs at you that night. And um and six nine was just rolling right by because that's their uncle. But anyway, um so yeah, nine <laughs> eleven was the last was the last uh point of like white flight. Like that's when they decided to like right, I right, we up out of here. I don't care what we selling it for. Let's be out of here.
0: Were was and, that and, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you was like, you said, um, because I remember we were sitting down at the library that day and you had uh, uh you know, your locks wrapped up and you was like, Yo, if, if 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 I look like this, if I had a turban on my hand, he was like he was like, Yo, oh, yeah, they would they, they would have been riding on me that night. And you know, you just talked about the concern that you had, you know, for your mom who had to travel back from that part of the uh the city. Okay. So what what's yeah. what what and what would you say uh, Canarsie is like today? Because we, we got a lot of notables that have come out of Canarsie in the last, oh, I would say, like 20 years, uh, especially in the last like three or four. But, you know, what's what's Canarsie like today?
4: Canarsie.
0: In comparison to the, to the white flight.
4: In comparison to the white flight. Um If, if you had asked me that question a couple of years ago, then mm-hmm. I probably would have had a different answer, right? Because personally, I feel like like we had we had a, like a like a, a like a stagnated place, a still-mated place. Um, you asked me three years ago; I, I was told you it was going up, but this this uh this this pandemic did a did a number on us. And um, as as with all neighborhoods with high black population, you feel me. Regardless of anything, um, so yeah, I I think we're at a we're at a a, a, a stalemate right now. Actually, this um, if you want to get into politics, um, no,
2: is it, but let me ask you, Floyd, is white people moving to Kenosha? Nah,
4: nah, it doesn't fit the bill for gentrification. It's not near a civic center. There's no transit hub. It's a transit desert. It's far away from. A lot of things which is why which is why when the ethnic when the ethnic whites were here that's why they loved it so much because it was like a it was like a buffer for them but nah no, no no white people are moving here
0: so talk about uh so you so you had the garden talk about let's talk about that so we had this is our
4: fourth year right Ron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's our fourth year here on um, it's a community garden we had we got it from um it's funny <laughs> we were doing something in the park we were doing a canal stay in the park and my man's Ron right here. He was walking looking for somewhere to smoke. So he walked out the park all the way down, down to the back roads and he called me. He's like, Yo, you know there's a gazebo in the park? I'm like, a gazebo. I was like, nah. He's like, where's that? So so I filed him over here and we met up here. I'm like, oh shit, I always saw this, but I never knew. I never knew what it was. And true word, that's when I had just started doing the um the block beautification with parks. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got in tune with them. And that's and I, I hit them up. I'm like, yo, I got a spot for a community garden. They told me which agency to go through. And we did that. Um, we, we, got, we had a meeting here with the, the borough park commissioner Marty Ma and the uh, commissioner for NYC Greentham about three, four years ago. And they said we could have the space. Um, we needed garden members, we had to sign a five-year lease, yada yada, yada, blah blah blah. And we did all that. And now we're here.
0: Yeah, and, and you know the funny thing is it seems that you know, it seems odd, a, a young black guy gardening. Is that is <laughs> that is that a far out idea?
2: Oh, why that, man? What why is that?
0: Exactly, tell telecast.
2: Yeah, yeah, what we break representing, man? I ain't with that shit. What, the, what you mean by that, man? <laughs>
3: break it that's down. What
2: trying to say, boy, trying to bar- say, it's yeah. bar,
3: bar, yeah. trying to say it's different. Barnes yeah, yeah. trying to say yeah, it's so we're supposed different. to trap and rap and right, and
5: right.
3: entertain? We can't do
2: nothing to control our ecosystem. The obvious.
5: That's that's what I'm
2: talking
0: about. I mean, but you know, I would be offended. That's so kind of I mean low
2: vibrational
0: so, uh, to me, brother. Nah, nah, nah. I ain't being low <laughs> vibrational at all. But I, I definitely want to hear, you know, some of some of the reasons why Floyd, you know, like, you know, you you in court, man. You holding a space and dedicating a space to everything that Kenny just, you know, laid down. So, you yeah. know, like, can we can we talk about like, you know, the inspiration, the motivation, some of the, you know, you know, hills and valleys of the adventure. You know anything you can you can like you can uh enlighten us on well you know what actually before before uh we're gonna take a quick musical break um and you know we're gonna load up and then uh floyd you know please you know just just just, just lay it down for us
3: and and on a, on a quick floyd what what you bumping right now what you listening to brother what i was i was just <laughs> you want to know what I was listening to? Yeah, Yo, I, I, can, I have, I have, I have, a, I have a, an idea, probably. Go ahead, but go ahead. I was listening to the Gladiators. Nice. Yeah. Which yeah, album? Huh? I'm not familiar.
4: See, you know why a lot of people are not familiar with the Gladiators? When, when you had, you had the Gladiators, you had the Heptones, you had the Congos, all these other groups were. Coming up in Kingston, but when Chris Blackwell came over here from England, he wanted to make sure that the Whalers were more popping than anybody else. When these other cats is running a wicked a fight, you hear me? A wicked mm-hmm. fight, yeah, yeah. You understand? So that, that that's why when you say the Glad, I I will play a tune for my bedroom. He like he all he pull up next to the speaker. I'm like, yeah, I know you never heard that one. You feel know me? But yeah, that, mm-hmm. That's, that's, mm-hmm. A fire. that's a That's the why I was running.
3: All right so we we are going we going to get some gladiators and we are going to we going to drop it in there kid we'll be right back yeah
1: So I'm depending on
0: So we back. So Floyd, uh talk to us about how you got into horticulture, pharmaculture, part parmaculture. I don't, you know, I don't know all the nuances of it, but if you could enlighten us on what they are, if there are some differences, how did you uh find your way into, you know, developing your green thumb?
4: I was born in Linden, Guyana. That's uh Phil know where I shot. The real <laughs> G- the real GT man. is not is not in Georgetown, it's not in the city. Yes, in a cut. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 Esikimo,
3: that's
4: where my family's from. But yeah, the real guy money. So, so I, I, um, I, I came up here in 89, I was four. And my father, he used to gorilla garden in you Park before it got developed. Gorilla garden is illegal gardening. You just take the cutlass, you go chop some bush, you clear out some land, and that's where you just start growing. He used to do that deep, deep. You see back, you see where people go riding. To the beach now in seaview park to the water mm-hmm. back Canarsie, then, was, right? yeah back there mm-hmm. there bush in like the early 90s mm-hmm. and my pops used to go back there there used to be other people but he had his own plot and he used to grow um i he used to plant okra and stuff so as a youth you know I'm not, I'm, i never really jacked it like that um it's not until I just, I don't know. It just, I guess it was always in me. And then I, like, and the story I told you about, my man's was bonding. He's looking for a spot and we found a spot. And I told him, yo, we could get this as a community garden. And I I didn't know, I ain't know much about community garden or gardening until now. It's like, now, you know, you, you, you know, you know what the, y'all know what the word husbandry G
0: mean? Yeah, break that. I remember you were, um, you were talking about that um, um, on uh, IG. Talk about that.
4: Yeah. So if you look up the word husbandry, like this is, this is husbandry. is is it'll tell you that it's either, it'll say an, animal conservation or conservation of resources. The second definition will be conservation of resources. So part of conservation of resources, making sure that it's here for tomorrow, next month, next year. You understand? Always coming back. So that's, that's the definition of, of husbandry. It's, it's farming. It's gardening. It's, to me, is part of manhood. It's, it's part of becoming a man, knowing how to do this type of labor.
0: What are some, uh, some lessons that you've taken from, you know, uh, the community garden? Just whether it be, you know, like big, big, small, just like some of the wisdoms that you've gathered from that experience.
4: Really? These birds, man. Um, because we're on the water by Jamaica Bay, Jamaica Bay is a migratory bird habitat. So like half of the world's birds pass through Jamaica Bay, like no cap. (laughs) You understand? So, and we, and because we have these flowers here, because we have these native, um, trees planted here, we get a lot of bird action and to see some of them, uh, man, it's,
3: it's very relaxing. Yo, um, that's, that's a gem I got from it. That's a, it's a, it's a joy for me. You know, you know what's crazy? I never knew the, the relationship with bird culture and bird watching and, and Guyana. I don't I don't know if you yeah, like I, I don't know if you got into it while you were there or whatever, but nah, I I, I never
4: smuggled no bird on a plane.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So as a kid, as a young kid, my aunt, I remember back in the days, my aunt she came through one year from Guyana. She would be she would be back and forth from Guyana. Shout out to Auntie Nelly, and she was like, yo, I need y'all to to basically babysit this parrot. And we're like, dope, a parrot. And we're kind of like, uh, OK, what does that mean? And the, so we end up with this parrot in our basement, but a legit like we always had birds in a crib, like little parakeets or whatever. But we had a legit like, you know, I don't know how tall is a parrot? Like, like, like you know, 12 inches, or so, like a tall yeah, about 14 inches. And, in, yeah, like not small. They're not a small bird, and he's in there, like you go in there and you be like, hey, I think his name is Mo- um, Molly. And he, he, you say something, he say it right back. So it was it was kind of wild. And and so going back to um, to, to Guyana recently um, in 2017, we're like on, on, on my aunt's property, and I look up, and they had like a, a parrot hanging out. I met people who were there specifically for watching We were like, "Wow, we didn't realize it," but it makes total sense because um, Guyana is so close to the Amazon. Like literally, you're seeing birds that you that like that are in books. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're never gonna see. You're never gonna see. So that 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 is pretty. Uh, that's pretty ill. Um, right. I, I have a quick question. Early on, you you've had like a pretty um, like Barnes said you you have a connection to the community and like community gardening and bringing these things these resources to the community. I want you to get into what sparked that in 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 you. Like, what? Wh- why do you feel the need to do that in, in the community, in, in your community, in Brooklyn, you know, period? Like I said, the way we found the spot
4: was, we was looking for a spot to smoke. And that's how we found it. I didn't know nothing about community gardening and all the benefits of it. Until no, but, now you have I the think spot, think now, you, now you have to learn. You understand? And um, the even the outreach coordinator for this for this uh district, he even asked us. He was like, "Hey, like, he never saw like a garden with like strictly like black guy, like young black men." And she was like, older women." And he and then that, and that that that's when we really not not even nah, Carl, we not give Babylon no credit still. But you feel me? We, we always knew that, but for him <laughs> yeah. to say it for him to say it was like yeah they 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 on to us you feel me so um so so we 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 kind of took it and um and ran with it and make sure that it's it's visible like that and they see us every time
2: but but floyd i think phil was maybe i'm wrong but maybe it seems as though you have a community oriented way about you yeah yeah you were born into or is that something you cultivated at a period like when did that come when did that become important to you like putting that's a selflessness that's involved like when did that when did that happen i
4: ain't gonna hold you when i was um when i was in prison i I'm, i missed my hood you feel me like i used to get the um i missed the brooklyn period i used to i i signed up for the amsterdam news so i would get the amsterdam news um every week and true word that that that's when i started reading about y'all that that was doing the um what case was that that was doing the on um, the dice the dice cake case the who? and i and i and i started seeing y'all names coming up i'm like okay i'm gonna pay attention to these brothers and i will get the canarsie courier and i'll pay attention what's going on in my hood and i always had i always had plans for my hood um it wasn't this some of it was greater and some of it was not as great case? as this which case? Which case? The, the case the, the Strauss the Strauss Kahn case.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. This is
4: like thirteen, twelve
3: when I was in there. DSK. So, yeah.
4: So when I was away, yeah, I was missing my hood, and I always I knew when I came back, I had a lot a lot to give to it.
2: Yeah, that was that was though. Did we really? I didn't have nothing to do with that. I just knew Ken Thompson. Um, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we were cool at that time. But yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting case. A lot of people people forget about that.
4: Nah, I, I forget. <laughs>
2: but um, but, um
4: that's interesting.
3: yeah, the, yeah, and and um, the, the reason I that reason I asked that is is because in particular, we've brought our kids out to Canarsie um, on more than one occasion to build with with our brother Floyd. And yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, and whenever y'all could
4: bring them out again. Please. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Y- y'all never good. been to this spot, to the no. actual spot. <laughs> this is this right. is it right here. Yeah. Right, this right.
3: That's the real deal. Yeah. So <laughs> we now we're gonna set that up soon because we got um we, we got some some plans with some kids um actually coming up. We might even incorporate it with with a project um yeah, yeah. we're working on now with Barn, right? Um mm-hmm. so but but actually, that is would be a cool. Idea. Yeah, that would that would be super dope. And um, <laughs> but but to your point that you made earlier, like seeing a bunch of black men, it's kind of like, it, it is, you know, Barney, you, you weren't like completely, you know, on another planet with that. So, I, and I think it's mainly because you're just not, see, we, we don't typically see that. Right. And in, in, hey, uh, why larger. why is this? Yeah, well, I, well, I mean, this is the, you know, we yeah, that's not popular, question. I don't know, that's a, that's a good question, yeah. Mm-hmm. i feel like in the northeast like new york you don't
2: see a lot of that but everywhere else like in the south and like philly they're mad like dudes who garden like it's a thing mm-hmm. Yeah. no like have... a... i'm sorry no nah, i just thought like that was more of a northeast like oh that's what my grandma be doing uh uh, uh.
0: no the interesting thing, you know, when you narrate the story about how you came across the garden, you know, you to talk about your boy and you talk about that one thing that he was looking to do, which is what seems to be just trying to find a, a place to kind of cool out and collect your head a little bit and and enjoy the the, the great herbs essence. And uh, so, you know, I want to use that as a segue to talk about some of your advocacy work with uh, marijuana.
4: All right. So boom. Right. So here's how we connect the garden to that. And then we go on to that. So for for past four years every time pe- a lot of times people pass they always ask us if you plant a herb like oh y'all planting ganja there. i'm like nah like why you think like what happened we got callaloo we got this we got oprah we got every fucking thing you want why you think we planting that you feel me until until now <laughs> when we could plant what we want you understand but well, watch this so as far as as far as my av- advocacy on on cannabis um this was when I was at the new school. I had I had started a, um, a working paper called Keeping Black Markets Black, a stratification, economic, public health, and reparative justice model for cannabis equity in the city of New York. And I started digging up digging up New York City history as far as uh, cannabis is concerned. And I came upon this book called The Ganja Complex, Why and Marijuana. I bust my fucking head. I went to look at the abstract and it's a, it's an ethnography from a CUNY John Jay professor, Ainsley Hamid. We'll talk about him in a second. He went down to Trinidad and he followed a group of what you would call wayward youth who were caught up in the prison system. Eventually, they would eventually find themselves in Brooklyn, New York, running gates on Fulton or Pacific or Bergen or wherever you could think of in the 70s and using these illicit funds for community reinvestments, like opening things like ITEL shops, schools and all this other this shit, bust my head, you understand? I'm like, yo, somebody really wrote, wrote this, somebody really took the time to study this. I So I, I I looked him up, I found him on Facebook, I messaged him, I'm like, yo, this is you? He said, yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm on a gold mine. Long story short, he was in Trinidad, but he, he had came up here, he was staying at a hotel downtown. And we met up, he gave me a, co- a signed copy of the book, and I gave them some top shelf her. And that was our barter <laughs> system. And I'm reading the book. And it's a it's a fascinating book. It was the first time I heard the word paterfamilias, and patterfamiliar means male had a household. And he essentially said, like, these young men use illicit cannabis funds to become the heads of household and do rap right by their family. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so, so part of my av- advocacy was giving these persons voices and make sure making sure this story is told correctly
3: right all right F- floyd well, 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 give us another song yeah with we- you you, you play another selector. song you selector right now
4: um two sevens class by culture nice
3: nice all right. about to dip out
6: St. Jacob de la Vigo and Kingston is gonna meet And I can see with my own eyes
1: It's only a housing scheme
0: So we back, you know, uh, Floyd blessing us with the good tunes and the good vibration. So, um, you mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago um, on social media that uh, black markets have helped to do a number of different things to benefit the communities um, and the community as a whole, and actually kind of revolutionized some industries. What? What? Talk to us about that. All right,
4: bet. So. In in reading this book, The Ganja Complex, it put a lot of other documentaries and things I've read into context. So if anybody's that's really interested in this topic, I could give you a cycle of what you could read and watch. So there's the Ganja Complex by Ainsley Hamid. There is the CIA Secret War in Jamaica by Casey Jean McCullough. There is that recent um crack Netflix documentary. And then there's a a documentary coming out by Underhill Ave Fleet called Underhill Ave. Now, in the Ganja Complex, Ainsley Hamid contrasts a marijuana economy to a crack cocaine economy. And so he says that in the 70s, rastafarians from different islands was bringing up illicit marijuana. And they found that there were marijuana smokers in the United States already. And they fortified the market. They fortified the illicit market like it had never been before. And in the book, it says the first time ganja was, pres- was cultivated for mass consumption was in the '60s for American markets. You understand? So after after all these itel shops, after all these schools, after all this community reinvestment. It said that it was very important. Now we go to the the, the crack documentary and it said in 1981, Ronald Reagan declared that marijuana was public enemy number one. Right. And then he started raids on ganja ganja farms in different islands. Whilst propping up right wing governments to import, illicit cocaine. Right. You following? And then says thus what, what, what happens now? thus delivering would-be marijuana consumers into the hands of crack cocaine dealers. You understand? So now that same economy that you had turning over, reinvesting, is, uh, if anybody knows a, a marijuana market is different from a crack market. A crack money is way much faster, way much quicker. And as you've seen in that crack Netflix documentary, crack is a its a motherfucker. It, it'll make you do certain things that uh, you wouldn't do for we. You understand, so it was a completely a, a complete change in dynamics that was aided by the CIA and the United States government. Um, they knew they knew what they they were doing, and when, when you read this book, it'll shed more light on that.
2: That's dope that you put that all together because some person are you, might have not been uh, able to put that timeline Floyd, together. Floyd, do, yeah. are you familiar? Are you familiar with? On that topic that you just discussed, are you familiar with uh Ann Slinger, the head of the narcotics bureau?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, and it's, this is why it's important because in he said he the, the way he made cannabis illegal is by demonizing black males. He said that it'll make white women want to be with darkies, it will make darkies think that Yeah, and he
2: and he went, he <laughs> went on, he was a cultural icon. He went on a he used the much like how Twitter and Social media is used today to disseminate messaging. Back then, it, the government really had control over local uh-huh. newspapers, uh-huh. Yep. local newspapers. So any crimes that were committed by black or Mexicans and even crimes that were committed by white people, the drugs were s- s- telling white parents that it's gonna make their kids yes. go crazy and sexually crazed and all mm-hmm. these different hey, things. that play
0: reefer madness, yeah. Yeah.
2: People don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, ha- Anslinger was the head of the Federal Narcotics Bureau for damn near 30 something years, I believe.
4: Exactly. Um, ba- back then they had no dating.
2: Predating Hoover. And then Hoover comes along, and then you have a double, like, culture. Yeah. Um, you know, and now to, <laughs> you know, it's just interesting. Most people should do their homework on a, on I believe it's Harry Anslinger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's interesting. You know, the um the demonization that came about, um, you know, uh of uh, of black people to kind of you know, I guess create a so certain kind of social stigma of marijuana. But now we're in the new age where recreational marijuana is now uh, legal. Or yeah. so is that a fact? Is that something that is implied? You know, what, what What are some of the things that we need to be aware of um, with the, with these new marijuana uh, laws? All
4: right, well, check this out, right? This new law that passed in New York State, it's not a perfect law. God remember, it's Babylon's system you're dealing with, so it ain't no such thing as perfect law, you understand? However, it is on paper, And in theory, we have yet to see the practice on paper. And in theory, it is the most progressive ganja bill written in this nation, you understand? And a brother drafted this bill, shout out to Chris Alexander, all right? So it says that 50% of all nine licenses from cultivation, processor, consumption site, dispensary, delivery service, 50% has to go to social equity applicants. On paper, a social equity applicant is a person that was stoned up, a person that was convicted of a cannabis crime during the war on drugs, comes from either a neighborhood, a precinct, a zip code, a political subdivision that was targeted. And what's the third one it has to be below 80% of the AMR, right? Within these next 18 months, the cannabis control board is going to figure out whether it's a precinct subdivision area code or whatever, yada, yada. They're going to figure out some of these, uh, not titles, but distinctions within the bill. So with that said, in being a part of this cannabis, uh, advocacy, a, a lot of times, like I was the, I'm not going to hold you. I was the only brother there in some of these meetings with drug policy Alliance and meetings with vocal and meetings going up to the, the, in Albany to speak a lot of times. And, and I thought it like, yo, if, if I'm not here talking, like who's going to be representing these people. You right. Understand? Right. Right. So a lot of times I'm like, but anyway, that's another story. So, to that end, we, we started, we created a new organization. Um, so be on the lookout for it. It's called Ganja War Veterans for Equity. Um, it's gonna be a New York City based organization to get persons from the black market into this new green market. Um, we're gonna be doing pre-incubator programs. So the MRTA calls for incubate, incubator programs for equity applicants. Incubator programs are programs that help you get your papers right. To show these people for your license, we're going to be doing pre incubator programs and pre essentially putting, putting brothers, cats, hustlers, those same people through the regular mode that they're going to go through with the state and making sure they have their, their paperwork right. Cause we got to eat
0: too. Do you think there is some, I guess, hesitancy or some any kind of resistance on, you know, just everyday, you know, black market folk to kind of go this route? Or do you think it's they see it as a viable option?
4: Of course, there's hesitancy. Of course. Of course, there's hesitancy. And they, ha- and they have every right to be hesitant. I tell you this, though, in California, and Colorado, one of the, the leading causes or charges for legalizing cannabis was to get rid of the black market. Y'all could go check the data on what happened with that. So yeah, that's that on that.
0: I mean, you know, it's funny because like this sounds like you know, similar to the number runner and how the states kind of came in and they took over the lottery. Well, they created the lottery because they saw how financially, you know, viable it was.
4: And that and and it's that, and that was one of that was one of my leading cries in this cannabis advocacy. So mm-hmm. A lot of people familiar with the with the Madam Queen story, right? In in Hoodlum from Harlem, right? In is a as a is a book about a, a Chicago numbers runner. He went to prison and his bunkie was um either Sam Giancano or, or um, Frank Costello. He told them that he told them what they was doing in Chicago. He told he gave him the numbers game. The Italian gets out before him. They run down on the numbers, people. Now they gotta start paying their tie-ins until the state take it over. Now the state take it over. Now nobody eats. You right. understand? Mm-hmm. So I can't even say we gotta make sure that this doesn't happen to cannabis, because this is this is capitalism we're dealing with. So I'm I'm one thing I'm not is a fool. <laughs> you understand? Right. With that said, and this is why I always say keep black markets black. The black market is not gonna die. Straight like that, the black market is not going to die. Because remember, I said what type of beast we dealing with. We are dealing with capitalism, so there's always going to be a black market. My 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 cry was like in my in my paper why I was saying keep black markets black is when it becomes legal. Keep this new licit market, keep it black. To Chris Alexander's New York State's credit, they have it at fifty percent. In theory, we're going to see how it works out in practice. And I'm I'm on their neck for how it's going to work in practice. Trust.
0: Word. <laughs> So, uh, so before we go all the way, um, to the next, uh, in in the final segment, you know, Floyd, you've been giving us this, this good, good music. Uh, can we get one more tune from you so we can throw it on the transition?
4: Uh, who I was playing earlier, um, John, no, y'all put me on the spot, man. There's so much music out there. Play, (laughs) play, play, um, roof over my head. Um, the heptones.
0: Word, 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 word. So uh, we're going to play Roof Over my, Our Head. We're going to take a quick music break. And we're going to be uh, right back with Brother Floyd Jarvis. Over my head. And we back. So, you know, the question is, is like, what would be the motivation for somebody who's in the black market to you know get into the legitimate market?
4: So a lot of during the in the Senate and assembly hearings, a lot of the senators that were against it were talking about how impaired driving the quality, that's a whole bunch of fuckery as far as I'm concerned, right? As if 60, 70 years of black market cannabis didn't already have quality control. Like if they didn't like, you understand without government intervention, without tax and community or their form of community reinvestment. If, if they, if they, if they really, if they, if they want to do it, the, the, the option, the option is here for them. Mm -hmm. If they, if they want to do it, if you want to go legal, not have to look over your head, not have to be worried about certain things. I mean, you're going to have to be worried about other things, about Uncle Sam in your pocket, but for some people, they've always wanted to pay Uncle Sam, so you understand?
0: hmm Because I remember, you know, reading about or learning about Prohibition, you know, like, in um, alcohol, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get, get it at the store, but then they, they, uh, they sold these beer kits where you can, you know, mix your own beer and shit at home or... Um, or uh maybe around that same time you know people were allowed to kind of uh to to you know make their own beer or distill their own whiskeys um you, you know legally you know within a certain reasonable controlled amount do you think um that's an opportunity um that you know your average everyday american has or you know is that something that's already uh in in motion
4: so well another progressive aspect of this MRTA bill is home growth. You could grow your own weed. You allowed to have three immature and three mature plants, and home growth is essential because now you don't have to go out to the government market and spend your money. You could grow your own, and that's essential for for Black people. It's essential for poor people. You understand? Um. So that's so that's a big thing.
0: You think there's any? you know, much like with any kind of greenery that that's grown and ingested, do you think that, I don't know, is it anything that we need to be, need to be concerned about with how we purchase our stuff and how we, I guess, consume it? You know, just in, you know, weed is like, a, a, is, is, is widely enjoyed by many, right? You know, consumption is that there are a lot of varieties uh, that are available to a lot of people. But now that we're getting into this, this phase of, you know, the government regulation and things like that. Is, is there are there things you think we need to be concerned about, about you know, in, in regards to consumption? You know, is there some standardization on the horizon or, you know, is, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the same thing with, like, shopping for vegetables and shit.
4: Um, the only thing standardized is going to be the taxes that got to be paid, but um, there's going to be cooperative license, so it's not simply going to be like a, a lot of businesses aren't going to be the regular capitalist structure um is going to be there's there's allowance for micro businesses and vertical integration within those micro businesses and what i listen when i say keep black market me i never i've never bought no herb from no from no white boy no white man no white girl or woman ever you understand Mm -hmm. and i don't and i don't intend to you understand so i tell people to stick with their dealer and if your dealer has a wants to get one of these licenses like you feel me if you know how to do if you know how to do tax help him or her if you know real estate help him or her you feel me and still support your your dealer you feel me because one thing we do know has been documented we have anecdotal and empirical evidence that illicit cannabis markets have reinvested into black communities okay full stop
0: (laughs) and you know and kind of going back to you know i guess the second segment when we were just talking about you know the impact that black markets have had on uh legitimate business culture things like that you know like how did how did uh roster culture kind of take part in shaping some of some of the things that uh we understand about i guess health and and wellness Bro,
4: bro that's a whole nother zoom call
0: <laughs> I haven't <never> because <go laughs> what i
4: got to say about that is a whole nother zoom call
0: you know floyd a couple i would say a couple weeks ago um one of the things that you were t- you were you were kind of dropping down on your social media um uh, was how black markets i guess we could say i guess we can call them black markets have fueled some more commercial markets or how they created innovation for more traditional standardized mainstream markets how do you speak to that
4: so For me, whenever I talk about like some people use the word legacy markets now, but I like to stick to the terminology of black market because it's vivid and it it may elicit some pushback. And when, when there is pushback, let's delve into what is the black market and how did it become about? What does it look like and what did our veterans of the black market have to go through? So. Wait, a couple of years back, wait, wait, about 10 years ago, I was watching um ISIS Papers, right? And um Dr. Francis Cress she 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 always says, um, nothing is abstract, everything is relative, right? So, and and I use that, I use that mantra throughout my life when, when things happen, like ain't no coincidence or happenstance. You feel me? Shit is on purpose and it's for a reason. So we look at um
0: truths and uh half. Have- uh, re, re, uh relative truths and, and uh, absolutes
4: yeah yeah definitely mm-hmm. so when we look at black markets when we look at um weed markets illicit cannabis markets specifically in new york city right so there's uh i, I started mentioning it before but the uh, but it was so hot the phone got cut off so check this out so if you check out uh uh an article written by D.A. Dunkley called The Suppression of Leonard Howell in Colonial British Jamaica from 1954 to 1966. And it's also an article written by Mark, I believe the brother's name is uh, Mark, Mark Emery. In the Cannabis Culture magazine, it's called Rastafari, The Secret History of the Marijuana Religion. You will you will find out something very, very important that is often overlooked, and it wasn't by happenstance. So, as I stated before, the first person to declare, or one of the first people to declare the divinity of his imperial majesty, his name was Leonard Howell. He's known as the first Rasta. They call him the Gong. They call Bob Marley Tough Gong. Well, he's the original Gong. Mm. So I'm gonna read something briefly right here on from the cannabis culture magazine. It's relating rastafari to marijuana right so leonard percival howell was born in jamaica in 1898 but he left as a teenager to find work in the americas it is known that leonard howell sought work and lived in harlem from 1924 to 1930 and we know what was going on in harlem in the in the 20s right it was the roman 20s um garvey was there the unla was there it was jumping um a whole lot of things were happening with, with black diaspora. life. you feel me? It was, it was creating, we were creating culture, right? In 1929, Howell ran a tea house where smoking, where cannabis smoking and bong beverages, a cannabis yogurt, like drinks were served at mm. the time. At the time, New York city had over 400 marijuana tea houses or Viper dens, or tea jukes or tea pads as they were variously called before marijuana prohibition began in 1937 Now remember they had to go underground because that and um there was a big promotion to uh to demonize because it, it was still legal but it was mm-hmm. a big promotion to demonize marijuana demonize group males and bringing in marijuana right so mm-hmm. it says there uh Howe ran a tea house where cannabis smoking and bong beverages, cannabis yogurt-like drinks, were served. At the time, New York City had over 400 marijuana tea houses or viper dense tea jukes, or tea pads, as were previously called before marijuana prohibition began in 1937. However, the UNIA building. See, I didn't know this. I knew that he sold bud in Harlem or ran tea joints, but I didn't know this part. However, the UNIA building where, Gar- where the where Garvey's group had rented howell's space was alarmed at this reefer then and decided to ostracize howell ejecting him from the unia and his tea house in 1930.
0: Now, so they rastafarianism and garveyism was developing side by side that is yeah. wild.
4: So why so watch this now deported from the u.s Remember, so both of them got deported. We know Marcus got deported. Mm -hmm. But now we know that Leonard Howell got deported from the U.S. in 1932. Howell returned to Jamaica, a man on a mission, virtually unknown. Howell started preaching a never-before-heard doctrine. Rastafari as Messiah returned to the earth. And all his speeches delivered with no success but enthusiastically received in the rural parishes. He began to lay down a philosophy that heralded Black liberation movement. Inspired by the Bible, Marcus Garvey, and the struggle of Black people, a spiritually uplifting code of behavior and belief under divine inspiration of Rastafari Emperor Haile Selassie. Now that that all that all happened so fast, mm-hmm. but that but that really happened. And if you check Howell's history, um, he developed the first self-sustaining neighborhood, not neighborhood village community in jamaica called pinnacle where they sustain themselves through the production and cultivation and sale of cannabis
5: mm.
4: you understand so mm-hmm. this so ganja and rastafari were, were always intertwined so now you have this this culture of self-reliance we still talking about black markets here you now have this culture of self-reliance um through cannabis right mm-hmm. so now we go to we we go to this book right here this is the book i was re- referencing uh earlier it's called the ganja complex okay uh, rastafari and marijuana now in this book on um, ainsley hamid he did an ethnography on uh downtrodden outgroup uh trinidadian males from the 1960s throughout the 1980s and he uh-huh. followed them <clears throat> he followed them from prison to brooklyn where they opened up Ganja gates on Pacific, Bergen, Fulton, Flatbush, Parkside, all over. So, and it's sh- it sh- here's the here's the gist of the book, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating. All right. So, the subject matter of this book should interest partisans on both sides. In the late 1960s and during the 1970s, desperate young Trinidadian Africans, both on the islands and in immigrant communities abroad, had been stalemated by frustrations of exclusion from the educational system, job training, unemployment, and an increasingly consumerist society, high rates of inflation, migration, and disarrayed families. They had responded by committing petty crimes and misusing alcohol, and eventually by rioting and attempted overthrow of the government. Then they discovered marijuana. Smoking it in communal settings utterly transformed them. They metamorphosed into prudent, ambitious businessmen, self-employed artisans, and responsible patterfamilias
0: That's it. Before you kind of dive into that, because there's a couple of different things that you laying down. That um, I think, you know, at least we need to highlight these things. So you know, as you know, as we start to wrap up, you know, these are some some things that people can kind of take on their own and process. But you know, one of the things that you said was that you know this you know this idea of Rastafarianism didn't really take hold in like the more metropolitan areas. But it, it took shape and took hold and was cultivated in in the rural areas, those hard-to-reach areas, and people were kind of able to, you know, go from the rural areas and kind of transcend and, and and move into so I guess more metropolitan, cosmopolitan ideas. Am, am I correct or incorrect?
4: Yeah, yes, correct.
0: Okay. And then another and they thing took that
4: from the from the from the rural areas and brought it back to the city.
0: But then you're also saying that through the cultivation of marijuana, farming, horticulture, husbandry, husbandry, marginalized individuals were able to <laughs> take hold of their households, right? Enter <laughs> into, you know, this this financial market that they were excluded into, start to make some moves. And, and, and eventually affect and, sh- and reshape their area. No wonder motherfuckers is afraid of the weed. <laughs> oh. It says it right here. It says it
4: right here. Furthermore, they translated their revolutionary sentiments into a program of community betterment in which they reinvested marijuana revenues to foster self-sufficiency or independence from mainstream institutions. And he says here, it is my, I, I hope that my demonstration of how marijuana Fortified men leading embattled lives will help promote the needed reprisal for the nation's drug policy.
0: And there it, so now here here here's my question. Um, you know, because, you know, you 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 said earlier, you know, touching the earth, putting your hands in it was something that you got very, very early on you received it from your dad it was passed down to you you know you were able to kind of throw on some of those ideas so for a lot of the guys who you know who this news of of um the 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 marijuana market and trade opening up becoming you know for recreational use these guys who kind of got into the drug trade or black black or illicit markets for financial benefit you know there seems to be a gap here that needs to be filled because I'm thinking about academics. I'm thinking about the sciences. I'm thinking about a lot of different things that go into, you know, not just the enjoyment or the recreation of the plant, but the cultivation of the plant, the harvesting and the business sustaining uh, options that I don't know. I, I feel like some of those gaps have been nurtured over time
4: so which is why and you're absolutely correct barnabas which is why which is why and for those reasons and uh, and what we were speaking about before which is why i i started and i am starting ganja ganja war veterans for equity now what is a ganja war veteran a ganja war veteran would be a social equity applicant now what is a social equity applicant in the new mrta bill it says that 50% of all nine licenses should go to social equity applicants. A social equity applicant is a person <clears throat> that was convicted for a marijuana offense during the war on drugs, lives in a community neighborhood precinct, zip code political subdivision that has been targeted and over for cannabis during the war on drugs, and who's AMI is below 80% of their area median income. So we're using we're using the uh the MRTA's uh current definition of a social equity applicant, and we, we're starting Ganja War Veterans for Equity. Now, when you look at the and and in this, so this is a new organization. Um it's a new organization that I'm starting. And I got the impetus for it from, from reading this book, from my travels, from my journeys. And just knowing the uh, what's ahead. So I I was a part of the Drug Policy Alliance's uh, Start Smart New York campaign to legalize cannabis in a fair and equitable way. We've been doing this fight for a very long time. And I got down with them about four years ago. And when I go to a lot of these meetings, I'm the only brother there. And a lot of times I could sense, I could smell that I'm the only person that's ever been involved in a black market. A lot of times it was frustrating because I like being around um, my peers, mm-hmm. and um, but but I, I, I hung in there. Um, I made sure that my voice my voice was heard. And mm-hmm. when the law passed, um, we're still here, and we're starting. So so this so this new organization we're taking. And I made a post about it the other day. When you look at how marijuana was demonized, mm-hmm. it was demonized on the backs of our outgroup males. When you look at who were targeted. Throughout New York City, every every you could check NYPD Comstat data, it's always above eighty five percent on males that were arrested for cannabis possession in the city of New York. And in in this age of uh, identity politics, in this age of myths of intersectional indivisibility invisibility, in this age of when funding is not disseminated. Uh, equally and according to need as a burgeoning uh, black masculine scholar i would be remiss if i did not take a racialized gendered approach to my cannabis advocacy and my cannabis uh scholarship so for for those reasons that is why ganja war equity veterans for equity was formed and we will be doing some of the filling those gaps that you're talking about we'll be hosting our bi-weekly educational events we got one coming up on the 30th with cease we we will be assisting equity applicants in getting their paperwork right to have uh some of these licenses that are that are coming up we will be going to city council and community board meetings making sure that what happened in la equity funding was supposed to go to the social equity applicants and it gave it to lapd that cannot happen in uh, New York city. So we're, we're going to be on their ass. Ganja war veterans for equity is here.
3: Where, where can people find more information about that?
4: Where can people find more information? Um, I'm I'm doing a paperwork now. for the 501 CP status, they could follow my page, uh, on IG, just like a Shumba J U S T L I K E A Shumba S H U M B A. Um, and also the ganja war veterans, IG page. Um, I just put it up yesterday, but we're gonna be filling in, filling in uh more, more things.
3: So, oh, man. So,
0: you know, um, you know, you dropping a lot of information. You seem very prepared for this next venture, this plight. How? What would you suggest for somebody? Um, who's uh, who's who, who wants to be, I guess, in your shoes or be able to, you know, fight alongside you? How should they arm themselves? What should they be arming themselves with, as they prepare to, you know, get to fight this good fight?
4: <clears throat> uh, just just be all in. Uh, Holla at me. Um, I'm I'm making a. I have an active list now of uh, potential equity applicants um and people that want to get get down with this fight and people that are that are and what i'm saying a lot because a lot of people have never heard cannabis equity framed this way so when they hear it when i come with the data when i come with the history and i let them know this is how we're doing I'm like oh yeah I right i'm down you understand um yeah f- 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 uh, f- follow my page hit me up on uh i'm on facebook too floyd jarvis also and um, we're, I'm actively putting the work together as we speak every day for the past, since the law passed on March 30th. So it's really happening. If they want to be a part of something special, if they've never done nothing bigger than themselves before in their life, come on down. Uh, you before, know, what? real quick, because what this does mm-hmm. is th- this shows how, as you said, how embattled men could transform their familiar life through illicit markets while being marginalized. So imagine what they can do with legal help. You understand? so more
0: should be done you understand
4: and i mean great
0: thing i mean i think you know you know when i and i have yet to go but you know when i hear um friends you know coming back from their travels in you know colorado and you know there are a lot of you know different things that people are doing in private you know um that you know a a market um you know could support you know what i'm saying like all types of you know private chef cooking shit and all types of stuff that people are doing, um, that, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, a lot of people need to be like kind of retooling themselves to kind of meet the need. Um, because I mean, when you think about education and and how, you know, agriculture can be infused in education, um, to meet this need and, you know, how people can prepare, you know, young people to, re- you know, how they can redirect steam to meet this need is like really, really, you know, I mean, I've seen it for myself, you know, on the horizon. But, you know, now that it's here, I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of folks need to get with, you know,
4: because it's here. It's here. It's Definitely. here. Definitely.
0: So, you know, as we started to fade the black, man, you know, you, you've been blessing us with some good, good tunes.
3: Um. Yeah, yeah, we. You we, know, we need one to go out. We we need, we need one to, to go. Official. You know, we need
0: a nice little sunset music. You yeah. know, hold your lo- some lovers rock type yeah. shit. Hold your lover close. Light up a doobie. Light all up all that shit. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like what
3: what you, what you suggest?
4: I got you right now. Hold, <laughs> on,
3: hold on. <laughs> boy Got to make it official right now. You
4: could you could give them uh, "Tune In" by Gregory Isaacs.
3: There we go there we go there we go there we go well
0: yo floyd man you know as always man you know it's always a good vibe good time you know you know to chat with you um you know and i love that you kind of elevated the people um with this message man you know like the brooklyn combine you know we never try to you know fall short of you know of our brand um so i think you know what you just kind of laid down you know is really, really what, you know, a lot of what we've been trying to do, which is to take something very, very, you know, elevated in terms of thinking and practice and theory and break it down to make it um you know palpable and digestible for the every man, you know. <coughs> so thank you for that, bro, bro. Yep.
4: Thank you. Definitely, definitely. Thank y'all for the opportunity.
3: Yeah, man. So, <laughs> so we'll we'll um we'll share your information and, and so people could join in on the on the fight, whoever wanna get down, whoever wanna help spread the word. And then at some point, whoever want to help raise funds and, and help push the yeah, initiative, yeah, that, that, I, yeah definitely that's, that's the next. That's challenge. going to be needed. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, you know, the Brooklyn Combine is always on deck, so, so we 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 here to support get you. Get folks out <laughs> to you know and cultivate
0: that. You know, make it. You know, how you see it in your mind's eye, because I see I see you. You know, you doing all kind of crazy stuff out there, man. And it's good to see the growth and and pressure, You know. Mm-hmm
4: definitely definitely give thanks give thanks give thanks
0: so you know once again um this is uh barnabas crosby for the brooklyn combine podcast we are the brooklyn combine broadcasting live from everywhere because that's how we need to be so um peace and uh hope look forward to y'all checking in on the next one definitely
4: Peace. Peace,
0: peace
6: Look on her